0: Today's episode of Run the Film is brought to you by GameTime. Okay, guys, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think NFL tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with GameTime, the ticket-buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. GameTime is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage and score last-minute tickets. Man, you gotta get a you gotta get a, a cheat sheet or something. That's terrible. That'll kill us. You like that? You like that!
1: I'm just about that action, boss. You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win. You are listening to Run the Film with Kirk Morrison and Ted Nguyen, only on the Athletic Podcast Network. Once again, once again, welcome in to the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Run the Film, and this is Kirk Morrison, your host, alongside Ted Nguyen. So much to get here in the recap of week number four in the National Football League as we get you ready for week number five as well in the National Football League. Like we always do, we'll take a look at you know some of the players to watch, obviously the games to watch, and just kind of the news and notes of the league. But before we kind of get into a recap of what we saw in week four, Ted, just a couple of things I wanted to hit on you about uh, kind of what's going on with the National Football League. Uh, I think the first thing that I, I want to say is we saw we entered week number four with eight teams who were undefeated. And we left week number four with only three still standing. So the three still standing with the New England Patriots, the Kansas City Chiefs. And this was my question to you, Ted. Would you have thought the San Francisco 49ers would still be undefeated? Now, I know they didn't play in week four, but those three teams remaining uh, unbeaten What does this say about the NFL?
0: The 49ers get, get a little bit of a, a cheat pass, I guess, because they had a bye <laughs> week.
1: Right. So they get to stay undefeated.
0: Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it last week, you know, uh, I expected the Niners to be good, but it is still a little surprising to see them actually follow through and finish, you know, finish the job and be three, and know, at this point. Um, so, uh, they're a much improved team and, um, you know, I, we, we started seeing a little more parity in the NFL with this, a bunch of the undefeated teams going down this week. Um, and one of them we'll talk about in a second are are the Rams. Are you are you concerned about the Rams? What happened in Tampa Bay?
1: Yeah, I can't wait to get into that game. It was a it was a, a game in which I I couldn't necessarily predict the outcome, but the point total, yes. So I'm uh I'm a concern with the Rams right now. I, but uh, I look at what happened on Monday night with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they are very much. In the race for the AFC Mm -hmm. North. So to me, it's like, let's remember, we're at the quarter pole, right? This is a marathon, not a sprint. And so at the quarter pole, um, I would say four games in, and this is where I I would love to get your opinion on this, Ted, because i just go back to my playing career. And whenever we would get ready for an opponent, okay, we would get ready for that week's opponent, everything that we did was off a four-game breakdown. Basically, it was the previous four games of that team that you're going up against, you break down those four games and you will look at their tendencies, what they like to do on first down, what are their second down plays, what are their third down calls, and then you look at them defensively, the same thing, and so with a four-game breakdown, it's kind of who you are. A lot of what they always say, a, a a cheetah doesn't change spots. This is who they are. You know, I mean, you can't change who you are. You're still, a, you know, a, a a cheetah. So that that's the one thing that we would always say. And I bring that up, Ted, is because you know n- now that we're going to finished up with week four, we're going to head into week five. I don't think that there's much surprise really left. I think a lot of these teams are who they are. Now some still can change a little bit because you add players and we'll get to some notable players a little bit later who will be uh, looking forward to watching in week five, not just because, um, you know, they're in a good matchup, but because we've got some guys who will be coming back from that four game suspension to start the season. So it'll be interesting to get those, your take on some of those players and the impact they may have, but, when you look at a four-game breakdown, Ted, or the games that you've watched so far this season, it, you you kind of really know going into it, like who are the the, the best players, who are the guys you got to watch, and guys you don't have to necessarily worry about. No, I, I, I totally agree.
0: I think, you know, in the beginning of the season, it's funny because you see all these week one hot takes, you know, like a, a team does good, all of a sudden everybody's proclaiming that they're the best team in the league, a team does bad, <laughs> everybody's, you know, sh- shooting them down already. Um, but you know, as you've, you've seen in, um, as the weeks progress, we could, like you said, really get to know who these teams are, you know, for example, the Cleveland Browns, everybody thought they were dead in the water after that week one loss the Titans all of a sudden they're, you know, they are in contention for the AFC North with the Ravens who looked amazing in week one. Um, and you know, even in week one, it, it's kind of weird because like, you know, everybody's trying to figure stuff out and we right. talked about this, you know. People are trying to get in in the flow of the season. Some people might be getting into the flow a little quicker. Some people take a little more time. So, you know, week one, you really don't know what's going on. Sometimes it's, I mean, there's a bunch of flukes in week one. And, you know, now week four, we're really starting to figure out who these guys are. I think some of the better teams with better coaching staffs can make improvements as the season goes along and kind of change their spots a little bit. But like, like you said, you know, you can't really change who you are at this point. There's not any big acquisitions that play that teams are going to make and you know and there could be some losses with injuries and the better teams with good depth will get through it and um the worst teams will just i think that parity just gets a little
1: worse yeah no the parity gets um a little bit worse but remember at the same time now I go in understanding what a team's weaknesses and a, mm-hmm. and a team's strengths are every week now. So I feel like I have a better gauge, maybe not necessarily who will win the game because, regardless, they still got to go play it. And I've just, I'm correcting some picks and sometimes I'll, I shoot myself in the foot on some other picks. But I do kind of have a good gauge of where a team is at. And so, as we kind of start the recap to week number four, um, the the first matchup that I want to just kind of review with you was the Chiefs and the Lions. Very easily, a young guy can get in the tank things aren't going right, whether it's his problem or somebody else's problem. You just start pointing the finger, you start pointing the finger at yourself, and you go in the tank. But he didn't do that at all. He just kept it going. He said, we're going to win the game. We just got to kind of get rid of some of this garbage here. Now, the Chiefs, they end up winning the game 34-30 at the end. Outstanding drive at you know at the end of the game by Patrick Mahomes. I mean, what else will we expect? Another kind of a – not necessarily a walk-in-the-park type of day for him. He was 24-42, 315 yards. But, yes, I I'm not leaving it out. He had no – touchdown passes Ted so and I'm like wow I didn't think that, that was possible the way that Patrick Mahomes has sort of you know started this season but for the most part when you look at uh, that matchup between the Detroit Lions and the Kansas City Chiefs are you more impressed at the I guess the Detroit defense or the, the team in general or was it a little bit of an off day or maybe a trap game for the Kansas City Chiefs I think it's a little
0: bit of both, but I i mean, you know, I think Matt Pat- Matt Patricia has done a great job with this Lions team um, and we, we've seen him put together some really good defensive game plans while he was in new England, but you know, you didn't really know whether it was Belichick or Patricia, but I think now we're starting to see that Patricia had a lot of, you know, a lot of power in new England and he, he had a lot to do with the, those defensive game plans. I mean, you know, last year that he was kind of the first one to really slow down the Rams' defense a little bit, and teams started to take his blueprint and make their own versions of it, and they, you know, they were able to stop the Rams. And um, Bill Belichick even said his his game plan in the Super Bowl was influenced by Patricia. Um, and and now they came out and they they did what nobody could do. They slowed down the chiefs offense. And it's kind of funny to say that they slow down chiefs offense because they still end up scoring 27 points on offense. They had seven points uh, <laughs> on a fumble return. And right. You know, that just shows you how explosive the chiefs are. Uh, but just watching them, they didn't do the, the lines didn't do anything special in particular, but they were just really, you know, they just looked really fundamentally sound. Um, the, the outside corners, Darius Slay, they did a great job covering those guys on outside. Uh, you know, playing a lot of press coverage and disrupting routes that way. And um, one thing they did was they just didn't let Patrick Mahomes know. They play a lot of man coverage, but when you play man coverage, you have help underneath help, you know, from the rat defenders. And they they did a good job disguising where their rat defenders were coming from. And they'll they'll even have two rat defenders on some plays, one rat defenders on other plays. Um, So they they did a good job disrupting what the Chiefs do and uh but Mahomes at the end credit to him he, he kind of started using his legs and he you know with all that man cover when you when you have your back, tur- back turned back turns away from the quarterback and he takes off it could be hard to track him down so Mahomes finished the game with 54 yards rushing he's not really a guy that wants to take off a lot but that's what the defense gave him he took advantage he figured it out and they, they won at the end um but the the Lions' offense also played a good game. We talked about last week how we 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 thought they were underachieving a little bit with all the talent they have on offense, and they they played well. They scored thirty points, and they should have had thirty seven. if they, if they got that touchdown near the mm. goal line, yeah, where um, that fumble return got returned ninety nine yards for a touchdown, they would have won this game. And they would have scored thirty seven points. So um, this is a a bet as a loss, and you know loss of stink, but. For the lines you got, you know, it kind of makes me feel better about where they are as a team.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think you hit on a lot of points. And so for me, as I analyze this game, and the, the one thing that I did when I when I turned it on and I started watching it, um, I was really impressed, like you mentioned, with Matt Patricia's game plan. It's not like they frustrated. Patrick Mahomes, they didn't didn't have a sack on the game. So that that just kind of goes to show that they were just trying to just make it uncomfortable for him. Sometimes you don't have to get sacks. But can you get pressure? Can you muddy up the pocket? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the fifty-four yards rushing. The fifty-four yards rushing by Patrick Mahomes was because the pocket did collapse. They got pressure on him, and he just found a nice little hole and seam, and he kept a couple drives going, especially at the end. They were, you know, a fourth and eight, and you know, here he finds a way to keep the chains moving and keep the, the, you know, their game-winning drive, so to speak, uh, alive. So Patrick Mahomes utilized his legs, but. I think the the bigger thing was that they won the turnover battle. And I'm I'm talking about, you know, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs lost the turnover battle. Detroit were able to force some. Now, they did create a – you know, they had the one at the end that you mentioned that resulted in a touchdown for Kansas City. But if I look at game plans, Ted, and the game plan is kind of what we envisioned in the the beginning of the season. We talked about it in the offseason, I feel like. But we always say that coaches go away from their strengths or what they're trying to be. But when I look at a at a game and I say, wow, this game was really balanced, like it was a truly balanced. And I say that because they ran the ball 35 times and they threw the ball 34 times. If that's not balanced, run pass. OK, that's I mean, if you're a head coach and you say, hey, we want to be balanced. That's what being balanced is all about. Don't say we want to be balanced and you run it 10 times and you throw it 40. That's not balanced. You're basically passing the whole time. But I thought that's what limited a lot of the opportunities, I thought, for the Kansas City Chiefs. They're a quick strike offense, but how do you keep a quick strike offense from going out there and getting quick strikes? Leave them on the sideline. Get them and leave them on the bench area. And the time of possession of 33 minutes just kind of shows you that that's what what Detroit was doing. They were trying to limit the possessions for Kansas City, but they were running the football effectively. And so now I I got a little more concerned right now, Ted, when I look at Kansas City's defense, when I look at their secondary – them the way they weren't able to stop the run. Hey, they can get after the passer. Look, Jones and four. I mean, and uh, and and Clark. I mean, all those guys. They can get after the passer. I, I, that's not a, that's not that's not a concern to me. But the concern for me now is they couldn't stop the run and some of the the wide open receivers you saw uh, you know, whether it was Galladay, Marvin Jones, I mean the Hawkinson, the tight end, had a couple of huge catches. I was more concerned defensively about the Kansas City Chiefs and what they were giving up, especially with those seam routes down the field and just the power running game by on Johnson going through the teeth of that defense.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, teams get a little impatient when they play the Chiefs, especially when they're scoring at such a high rate and they get get away from the run game. But credit to the Lions, they really um, came in there and wanted to establish the run, and they stuck to it. And like you said, it, it kept the Chiefs off the field, and it it seemed like part of the game plan, and you know, part of Matt Patricia's philosophy is you know really putting emphasis on turnovers. But it seemed like they were really you know going for that ball during during his game and doing a really good job of uh, punching those balls out. And I, I think that it, it's a good it's a good idea against the um, the Chiefs because you know you know you can't really stopped them for four quarters or completely shut down that uh, offense for four quarters. So you might as well try to force some turnovers and they did a
1: good job of uh, getting a couple of them. So Ted, my question to you before we head to our next game is are the Kansas City Chiefs in a game like this, that probably honestly, in my opinion, they shouldn't have won this game. I thought Detroit did enough Mm -hmm. to win. I thought that they played well enough to win. I'm very impressed with, we talked about Matt Patricia's team as they played all phases of this game. But are the Kansas City Chiefs the best team in the NFL? Uh,
0: I still think the, the Patriots are because one they won the Super Bowl last year, and two uh, we talked about their defense, and their, their defense just looks um, so good so good this year. And uh, I think the Patriots they're struggling a little bit right now because the offensive line is banged up. So I Correct. think if you want to say I think the Chiefs are playing the best right now. They're uh, I mean you know. They somehow they found a way to win that game that they shouldn't have won, um, and it just seems like they have so much going for them as far as team chemistry and um, the way they just believe in each other. So I, I would say the Chiefs are playing the best, but I think eventually you know the Patriots are going to be real the by far the best once that offensive line is uh, healed up.
1: Mm, I, I gotta I'm a, I'm gonna lean on I still think Kansas City's the best team right now. They can just give me a little bit more and think about this, Ted, before we move to the next game. If I told you last week, right, before the game started, hey, Patrick Mahomes is gonna not throw for a touchdown, he's not gonna throw any exceptions, and they're still gonna score thirty four points, would you have believed me that the Kansas City Chiefs would score that many points and Patrick Mahomes would have zero touchdown passes?
0: No, if Patrick Mahomes has zero <laughs> touchdown pass, I would think the Chiefs would be in like some sort of messy game, and you know end up losing twenty four to eighteen or something like that.
1: And see, and that's why I put them in the, in the spot of the number one. But speaking of uh, some of the top spots, that's more of the AFC when I'm talking about, you know, Kansas City and the NFL. But when I switch it over to the NFC, it was a couple matchups that we saw last week. And the one I want to dive in with you right now is the Vikings and the Bears. Chase and I, we go way back. And he, he again, he's like a coach out there. He prepares himself every single day, and it's never different. It's always the
0: same for when this happens to help his team out. And so uh, we're very, very lucky to have
1: Chase as our our backup quarterback. The Vikings went to Soldier Field, and it was about – what you would expect I think in an you know an NFC North battle but more so a game that's played in December right or late November not in you know the last weekend of September where you get uh you know the Bears winning 16 to 6 but if for the most part it was about Minnesota being shut out throughout the entire game Kirk Cousins 27 of 36 233 yards again another quarterback who doesn't throw a touchdown pass uh in the game so to me Ted I'm trying to figure out. I know where, you know, Chicago is. All right. They're a defensive led team. Now we will got to see what's going on. Mitchell Trubisky did suffer a left shoulder injury early in the first quarter. He was knocked out. Chase Daniels comes in. He plays well. And so we'll get through day to day right now with Mitch Trubisky. So I feel like this team is going to have to ride its defense. I know that part. But I look on the other side with Minnesota. And they're supposed to have their quarterback. They've got weapons on the outside. They've got a terrific run game, a decent offensive line, and to me, a one of the you know I think a, a top ten type of defense in the NFL. And so when I after while watching this matchup, I, I don't know where I look at the Minnesota Vikings and say are are they a legitimate contender now? I, I just don't see it. And I look at Chicago as being able to kind of not necessarily maybe not repeat as a division champion, because I think Green Bay is, to me, is a better team right now. But, man, I'm just trying to scratch my head after four weeks. I, I don't know who the Minnesota Vikings are.
0: No, I, I totally agree. And, you know, they paid Kirk Cousins all that money because they thought he was the missing piece. You know, you he, get a decent quarterback with that defense and those weapons around him. Uh they You know, he they should be good. And, uh, you know, but the problem is Kirk doesn't play well under pressure, and they just haven't done a lot to fix that offensive line. And they they sacked him. And the Bears have a great defense. They they sacked him six times, and they couldn't get the running game going. And they you know it's a te- they they're a team that want to run the ball, and they couldn't get anything going against the Bears. Every it seemed like every time uh Dalvin Cook got the ball he got hit in the backfield he only averaged 2.5 yards per carry against the right. Bears and when that happens you you want to be able to rely on your your passing game but they can't protect Cousins and uh, Cousins had he had some opportunities downfield too and I think you're starting to see some frustration with the uh Vikings receivers and uh Adam Thielen Uh, Thielen after the game said at some point you're not going to be able to run the ball for 180 yards, even with the best running back in NFL, that's when you have to be able to throw the ball and you have to be able to make plays. You have to be able to hit the deep balls. You have to do that. So it sounds like he's almost calling out cousins. So there is some, some trouble over there. And um, yeah, cousins, he just has to to play better. And I know protection's an issue, uh, but you're, you're getting paid all that money. You're going to have to start
1: making some plays. Yeah, I just, you know, when I go back again, I mentioned it in the first game, you know, that we were kind of preview or we uh, recapped Detroit and Kansas City where Detroit said they want to be a team that's going to be balanced, and they were balanced. And yet going into this season, I thought with Kevin Stefanski back as the offensive coordinator in Minnesota, that this would be a team that will be you know, kind of balanced, maybe even lean more so on the running game with Dalvin Cook coming back. You drafted Alexander Madison, the kid out of a uh, uh, Boise State. So you were saying, hey, we, let's lean on this offensive line. We got some receivers on the outside, but we're going to go be able to take some shots up top, and we're going to do some things to where we can play off the run game. I still think you gotta be stubborn in the run game, regardless of who you're going up against. I know Chicago is an outstanding run defensive team. They also take the ball away, but you still have to just keep chipping at it, keep chipping at it. And if you're gonna put the ball in the air 36 times against the Bears defense, it's just it's not a, a good, you know, not a good omen for you. Because I really feel like at some point, your Kirk Cousins is gonna have to make plays because you still have another year on a guaranteed contract for him. It was a three years, $84 million guaranteed contract, and you're in the second year, And right now, I'm not seeing the progress. Hey, the first year you say, hey, you know what? Things didn't work out. We had a different offensive coordinator, John D. Filippo, and he wanted to do things, and you know we just weren't comfortable. We changed to Stefanski, and he comes in, and you're like, boom. And remember, they also added Gary Kubiak as well this offseason Mm -hmm. to kind of help out with that. And so now I'm looking at this offense, and that to me is really what's holding them back. I think defensively, Hey, they they only gave up 16 points to the Chicago Bears, limited them, you know, under 100 yards. And I, I get it, you know, Chase Daniels came in, but he, you know, Chase Daniel came in, but he looked pretty good. And, and you know, his little mop-up, or not only I mean, mop-up duty, and his re, um, coming in in relief of Mitch Trubisky. And so defensively, I look at Minnesota, they're fine defensively, but offensively, I get it now. I get why the frustration is there for Thielen, for Rudolph, for Diggs, because Kirk Cousins is not hitting the open guy. He's not making the plays. He's not he's just not seeing it, Ted. And I don't I don't know why. I think he's not playing with good anticipation. And I would thought that when I saw him in Washington, that's what I thought he was best at playing with anticipation, just getting the ball out there and allowing guys to go get the football.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, Thielen was open for a touchdown, I think, on the first drive of the game. And imagine if they hit that deep pass and, you know, it, it's 7-0. That just, you know, totally changes the game. And um, But, another, you know, Chase Daniel coming in, I think it almost makes the Bears a more dangerous team. Mm. Because you know, he made a lot of really accurate passes in that game. And I know they only scored 16 points. Um, and he ma- he took care of the ball. Right. And you know he made, but he made some passes during that game that I just haven't seen Mitch Trubisky make. Um, so you know he he he's gonna make. I think he makes his offense better. I think he makes the the Bears better. And obviously you know if you draft a quarterback that high and you trade up for him, you're gonna want to stay patient with him. But if Chase Daniel Daniel, I keep. Try, I'm, I keep wanting to say Daniels. Yes, no, both say, yeah, it yeah, to I had to catch myself, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if he, if he played, has a few good games, I mean, do you put Trubisky back in?
1: Yo, he's your guy. Got to. Yeah, this isn't uh, one of those situations where, you know, remember they, they traded up to get Mitch Trubisky. And he is, you know, Nagy's quarterback. I mean, that's first of all. Um, I know he inherited Mitch Trubisky, but you just can't throw him away that fast. You know, that's kind of a similar situation, you know, right now in Carolina with Cam Newton and Kyle Allen. I mean, Kyle Allen has played, you know, the last two games, started the last two games, and they've won. And it's like, okay, should we move on from Cam Newton? No, Cam Newton's still the better quarterback. It's just you're winning a couple games. You can't go away from what your team – um, your your strengths or kind of what you the guy you rallied around. Mr. Trubisky was there last year when his team won the division. Now they they could have won a playoff game. We know how things go. So I, you know, I just don't see them making that move. If if Daniel still keeps playing well, I think Mr. Trubisky is still going to be the quarterback. I think for the future of the Chicago Bears, which kind of takes us to our next game, right? Because we're talking mm-hmm. about quarterbacks and should you make a change? Or are we thinking about 2020 already, you know, 2020? Or are we thinking about the present day? And when I say that is because the game that – the one that I was actually at was the Buccaneers at the Rams. And if there was considered an upset of the weekend, I think that one had to be it with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into Los Angeles and hanging a 50-burger. Now that's a great team win. That's what we're capable of. I hope we finally realize it and move forward knowing that every time we take the field, we take the field to win, not to play close, not to play good, and we don't know how it's going to happen. And it's always going to come down to those last five minutes. No matter what's going on, it's going to be those last five minutes. Today we answered the bell. That's right, 55-40 to against the Rams. And I'll start with the two quarterbacks first. Before the game, I'd said – I thought the game would be 34 or 38 to 27. I knew that Jameis Winston was going to take some shots. He's not afraid of the corners, Taleb Peters. He's going to throw, and he's going to hold on to the ball. He's not afraid to get hit. He's a bigger quarterback. He's not afraid. He's going to stand in there make some throws, make some plays. And the first drive, he drives all the way down and scores a touchdown. And I said, uh-oh, this feels a little bit different, Ted. And so he went out and had a just a magnificent game. Three hundred and eighty five yards passing, four touchdowns. He had one interception. And so I think you're like, Jameis, is he the future in Tampa? Because he's on a fifth year option. It's kind of a must, you know, must see. You know, we gotta wanna see you do it first. It's a prove it year for him in the first year of Bruce Arians in Tampa. That's one side of it, Ted. The other side of it is Jared Goff. And Jared Goff threw the ball. And I'm I'm don't mis I'm not misquoting it here. Jared Goff threw the ball 68 times. 68. Like that's unheard of for him. The offense of Sean McVay, he threw it for 517 yards, which everybody's gonna say, wow, 517. But he turned the ball over four times, three interceptions and then one fumble. And l- some people in Los Angeles are kind of scratching their head a little bit saying is he really the guy? Is he truly kind of the guy warranted for that big contract? So with those, I'll start with those two quarterbacks, but what else did you see within that game? Ted, Uh, it was kind of the battle of the number two receivers. Like Mm. it's
0: good to have a number two receiver, like Chris Godwin and uh, Robert Woods, they just killed at this game. You know, they have their number ones. I feel like the Rams number one is Cooper cup. Um, Obviously Tampa Bay is, is Mike Evans, but uh, when defenses are trying to take those guys away, it's really it's a huge luxury to have a guy like Godwin to throw to, who who's starting to look like a guy that could be a number one on other teams. I mean, he he does a little bit of everything, um, and uh, obviously we know about Robert Woods. He had a huge game for them too. Um, the the Rams play a little more soft coverage, so I noticed that Tampa Bay was attacking them with a bunch of tunnel screens too to yeah. godwin then um that might be something to look out for in in the future if um teams want to attack that cover four with an e- easier play to to um execute um goff was up and down um you know he, he he had those four turnovers he threw for he made some nice throws in the game but kind of like cousins he just does not deal with interior pressure really well so if you you have pressure up the middle. Uh, he, it feels like he starts to panic. Uh, it just looked like he didn't see some of those underneath defenders that he threw to. I, I know when you run play action, you kind of count on those underneath defenders to to bite up. But Tampa Bay did a good job of uh, deciphering run and play action. And they, they dropped back and they got some of those picks. And um, Goff has to be ready, to, ready for that. That might be uh, a theme that they see from now on. Maybe defenders will be a little more weary to play action and, and drop a little quicker than they normally do. Um, but yeah, he, he was up and down. He, he, I mean,
1: they, they scored 40 points, but those turnovers were just too much in the end. See, I think you just, you hit on it, Ted, and that, that should be the theme, right? Like we're talking about Jared golf, not seeing underneath defenders. And that's why I'm concerned. You do it once you say, ah, you fooled me. Right. I remember I mm-hmm. got Ben Roethlisberger like that one time. I was an underneath dropper. I always fake like I was blitzing. I jumped out intercepted the pass because he didn't see me. You could fool me once, but now I'm starting to see a pattern now. I saw it with the linebacker Schobert with the Cleveland Browns. Didn't bite on the run fake, stood underneath a route, tipped it up in the air, it was picked off. In Cleveland, same thing here. Faking as if you're gonna go come out and, and get in the throwing lane and Levante David intercepts a pass from Jared Goff. I'm just starting to see a pattern with Jared Goff because not only are we seeing the uh, you know the interceptions, but he also had like four tip passes though. Four. Mm-hmm. Like just passes being hit off the uh, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, batting them down. And for a guy who's six foot five at the quarterback position, I would think that he's able to see over that and get the ball over that and that's just not happening. And to me it's 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 a bunch uh I can dig in on this game as well, but for me the the, the it goes back to how you you started this, you know, about the Buccaneers. Because I, I love to give, you know, you know, I me mean, uh, roses and bouquets to guys who deserve them. And Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, okay, head coach, offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers have really showed me a different side of Jameis Winston. I, I, For some reason, I drafted him in my fantasy. Yes, I'll throw that <laughs> out there. Because I just felt that Jameis is a really good quarterback who's just looking to learn, and he's looking to see. I think he's thirsty and hungry for knowledge. We've never said that Jameis Winston doesn't work hard. We've never said that he doesn't listen. I think what we've said is that he just makes mistakes, and he just needs to be coached right. I think for the first time, he's truly getting – Coach really, really mm-hmm. hard and getting some tough luck. And he's getting it from a guy who's not only played the position in Byron Left, but we always look at what Bruce Arian has done with his quarterbacks, whether he's worked with Ben Roethlisberger, Kurt Warner, um, you know, uh, not Kurt Warner, sorry, um, Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer, I meant to say. But you know what he's worked with so many other quarterbacks. I mean, he could throw in Andrew Luck as well when they were together in Indianapolis. So you start to look at the lineage and, and, the, and the kind of the coaching pedigree that he had. And that's what I think I'm seeing now with Jameis Winston, that through four games right now, they have really honestly could be 4-0 or at least 3-1. I mean, they kicked the field goal against the Giants. That goes in, they win the game. So this is a much better team, and it goes to the quarterback and the coaching staff really putting Jameis Winston in some situations to make plays, and I think that's going to be huge for them going down the stretch. Now, on the other side with the Rams, uh, I mean, it's the question. Ty Gurley, they're hurt. And they're hurting, you know. They're hurting bad because this team, what made them special, Ted, was the run game. It was Todd Gurley being able to get five, six yards a a clip, running the ball 30 times a game, you know, uh, between a couple guys. They're not doing that now. This turned into like a passing league tournament. And I'm not so sure the Rams can do that, especially with this new revamped offensive line. To me, the Rams got a ton of questions. I know they're 3-1, and one, but I, I've got more concern than I am, uh, you know, sitting back and saying, oh, they're 3-1, and one, they're fine.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a theme we talked about for a while now is that interior line is just not where it used to be, and that affects the run game. Um, they're not getting those explosive outside zone runs that they used to, and it's definitely affecting Jared Goff. It's just something he, he never was good at, and it's – it's something that he, you know, dealing with interior pressure, being able to slide away from that and and uh, knowing where the passing lanes are and being able to throw off platform. It's just, you know, it's something that he he's not good at and it's something that he likely won't be good at in his career. And he could be a, a very good quarterback, as we've seen, but you have to be able to uh, protect, protect him, especially on the inside. And right now the Rams just don't have the personnel to do it. Uh, I think Aaron Cromer, their offensive line coach, is a really good offensive yeah. line coach, one of the best in NFL. Agreed. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, maybe he gets gets these guys going towards the end of the season. Uh, but right now they just don't look good inside, and that's, that's a major concern. And to jump on your point about uh, Winston, yeah, he, uh, you know, I, I really liked him pairing with Bruce Arians. I think he could be really good in that offense that likes to attack downfield. Yes. And I agree, This this is probably the best coaching that he's going to have in his career Uh, but I'm just always so concerned that he has no he's just so careless with the ball and you know he he had that interception return for a touchdown that made this a game towards the end Um, so that's just the one thing with him he has everything he's a smart player Mm -hmm. he has as much arm talent as anybody in the league but it's just the carelessness with the ball it's just a, a concern with him
1: yeah, I agree. That that was a, a kind of a careless interception, and they kind of baited him in the throwing that, and he just threw it, and he knew it right away too. That's you know the one of the things when I see a quarterback who right away who understands, I like, got, right, I messed up, I got to move on. I think that's where he's going to correct himself. But at the end of the day, they're in a division right now that they feel, hey, we're right there. They're sitting at two and two. You look at where the New Orleans Saints are at two and two. You look at you know Cam Newton. I'm sorry, it's the, the Saints are at three and one. I keep forgetting they're yep. three and one. I only lost one game to the actual to the Rams. But you know, right now Tampa Bay's like, okay, we're right there. We play against the Saints in week number five, so we're we feel pretty good, especially with Carolina, their situation with Cam Newton. For more NFL content, week five previews
0: and players to watch, go to theathletic.com/slash run the film. And thanks again for listening.